friends, welcome to your day, week, month, year reviews. I'm your host for the month, Troidal Power, and I'm here today to talk to you about Starlink Battle for Atlas. I've been playing this game for about a month now, and I've played a boatload of it. I've really gotten sucked into the progression loop of leveling up my pilots and obtaining new power-ups for my ships, and I'm having a ton of fun exploring the Atlas system. Blowing the heck out of bad guys and looting all of their stuff continues to be just a lot of fun, and the stories really progress too. I feel like I've got an idea now of where the story is headed long term, and I'm actually pretty invested in seeing this thing through. Playing this game on the Switch has allowed me a ton of flexibility, which is part of why I've been able to play as much as I have. I've played it on a TV screen using a Pro Controller, I've played it in handheld mode, I've even played it in tabletop mode with detached Joy-Cons, which is still one of the silliest ways to use the Switch, but I figured I'd give it a shot. And in every case, it's worked well. I've played it with the audio cranked all the way up so that I can get really absorbed in the atmosphere, and I've played it with absolutely no sound at all while my nephew was taking a nap and instead had uh, headphones in listening to a podcast. It's just a lot of fun. I'm really excited to talk about it, so let's get into some of the details of how this game has opened up for me in the month that I've played it so far. When I started playing Starlink I had virtually no interest in the story. There was something about an alien life form that was called Judge, and he showed up on Earth, and there was this dude, I think his name's saying Grand, and he and Judge worked together to develop some sort of a engine for a starship uh, with the intention of returning Judge to his home. Um, and then at the very beginning, Judge got kidnapped by Robo Baddies, and uh, his like team of random people were like, well, we gotta go save him now. Uh, it seemed really generic and uninteresting, so I really didn't pay much attention to the details of the story at this point. Basically, the ship explode, and you start off with trying to get the ship back together. Well, right after I recorded the week review of this game, I started in on a story mission that had me collecting these canisters that had fallen off the ship that, for some reason, contained a like uh, record from St. Grand about each of the characters on the Starlink team. Basically, it was a way for the game to like exposition their backstory to me. So what would happen is I would have to find a canister, I'd pop it open, and then it would cut to this cutscene of St. Grand explaining how he kind of recruited each member of the team, and this really started to pull me into the world. Um, the Starlink team is made up of misfits and outcasts, which is pretty generic on its own, but the way that the stories were told was through these manga-style cutscenes. Uh, I call them manga, not anime, because they weren't really animated it was more like a series of still frames uh showing the backstory of each character um but what struck me about them was that saint grand was really looking for people who needed help who needed a purpose uh and and it made me it endeared these characters to me much more than than they had been otherwise at this point i was still playing as Star Fox, uh because I pretty much got this game to pretend it was a Star Fox game. And 
they really did a nice job of incorporating uh, him into these stories too. Obviously, he wasn't part of the founding of the team, but it didn't feel out of place that he was the one recovering these stories. There was little bits of dialogue that kind of made that okay for me. But doing these missions also made me more interested in the other characters, and now I'm changing pretty frequently. Um, so I'm not just playing as Star Fox. I'm, I'm playing as the other members of the team too, because as you're exploring, whichever character you're playing as is kind of the the primary voice for the team. Uh, other people chime in over the comms, but uh, when you go up to, say, an observatory that you're going to uh, do a mission for, it's the character that you're piloting that starts the conversation with them. So I'm I'm finding it uh, I'm finding it fun to switch to other characters so that I can kind of hear their view on the world. Eventually, as the story unfolds, uh, you find out that Saint Grand is still alive and is somewhere like inside the enemy's fleet, but no longer in captivity. He's kind of hiding out. So the team decides that they need to go on the offensive. Uh, unfortunately, at the same time, the Legion, the enemies that you're facing, have started deploying these massive units called Primes, which are giant robots that wander across the surface of the planet, dropping these installations called Extractors that pull the energy out of the core of the planet. And this is where the long-term gameplay loop came into focus for me. Basically, every single planet that you visit, of which I think there are seven in the game, has a progress bar and shows how much it belongs to the Legion and how much it is allied with us. So when you get to a planet, you start going around to uh, observatories and refineries and a few other uh, mission locations. And as you complete objectives, you tip that progress bar in your Starlink's favor. And as more of the planet's people become allied with you, it becomes easier for you to take down the extractors with some computer-controlled chips occasionally actually chipping in in the battle. And then once you take down the extractors, they'll lead you to the roving prime on that planet. And then once you take down the prime, it'll actually give you the location of a ship called a Dreadnought, which is what's pumping out the primes. So far, I've only taken down one prime. Uh, it seems like there's going to be the potential for multiple primes per planet, but I'm actually not positive if that's the case. Uh, I have not yet taken down one of the dreadnoughts. I tried. Oh boy, did I try to take down a dreadnought. That's a real big ship with a lot of armaments, and I got wrecked. You may remember from my previous reviews that the way that Starlink Battle for Atlas works as a Toys to Life game is that each ship that you have counts as an extra life. Basically, if a ship gets blown up in a battle, you can just switch to another ship that you have and continue the fight. I'd bought the Digital Deluxe version, which includes all six ships that are available for the Switch version of the game, and I still was not able to take down a Dreadnought. Uh, I, I got totally wrecked by it. That takes me to the progression loop of the game. Um, every character that you can play as, all the different pilots have their own skill trees. They gain experience by completing missions and blowing up bad guys. And then you can unlock these skills that will allow them to change the way they play a little bit. Different characters have entirely different skills. Um, so Star Fox, for example, has skills that will boost his damage when he's got the rest of the Star Fox team around. Uh, whereas another character who's all about speed has abilities that boost their speed. So each character starts off with a little bit of a different feel, and then through the progression system of their skill tree, they can be kind of refined. 
Uh, the ships work similarly. Each ship has its own base stats, but then there are mods that you can add onto the ship that will change those stats as you go. You can also add mods onto your guns so you can change the way that the guns behave. And you can also add wings to the ship. So I didn't realize that this was an option when I was playing before because I pretty much stuck with the R-wing looking like an R-wing. But you can actually combine any ship with any set of wings. Um, I should say you can combine any ship with any individual wings because the wings don't have to work as a set. You can have a cockpit from one ship and then a wing from another ship on the left and a different wing on the right. And you can actually then attach more wings. You can have up to three wings attached to your ship. Each one gives a little bit of a different stat boost to the ship, but also increases its weight. So you kind of trade off maneuverability for other stats that are available. So at the point that I'm at now in the game, I've got a couple of things that I can do. Uh, I've got a, the location of one Dreadnought that I could go try to take down. I've also got the Star Fox missions going. I could go try and take down Wolf. Uh, I could also just roam around on planets and grind to level up and to shift the balance of power in Starlink's favor. And that's kind of what I've been doing so far, uh, has been the exploration thing. The Star Fox storyline, I kind of don't want to wrap up because I just like knowing that Star Wolf's out there. And the Dreadnought is way too overpowered for me right now. So instead, I've just been going down to planets, uh, similar to what I was doing before, of just kind of wandering around and doing missions. I still like the feature that lets you call in a mission at any time. But now that I've gotten to the point that I understand how the Alliance system works, those missions have become much more important to the game. When you call in a mission now, it's not just to explore a new part of the map or to get some experience points. It's also always going to be something that helps shift the balance of power in the favor of the Starlink team. As far as the mission structure goes, uh, the missions can be a little bit samey. There's kind of a base group of things that you're doing over and over again, but they've still been pretty fun. Uh, so a couple of the things that you end up doing is you go to crash sites uh, when you go to a crash site, you start a decryption process of some sort that calls in some baddies. So basically, this is just kind of a horde mode. You survive some waves of bad guys. There's also uh, pre-existing structures that you have to go to and clear out. So this is instead of a horde mode, it's there's a set number of baddies, and you've just got to wipe them all out. Sometimes these baddies are the Legion characters. Sometimes they're also just outlaws. There's not really a difference in fighting Legion ships versus outlaw ships, uh, but the outlaw ships will lead you eventually to outlaw hideouts, which are uh, established bases in space where you have to like uh, move through a giant ship. Uh, it's basically flying down a corridor and dodging things as you go down it. And there's also platforming pieces that occur on the planet, uh, which is weird. Uh, they actually managed to make a platformer out of a spaceship game by putting in this limitation with this plucking ability. Basically, your ship has a grappling beam, and you can grab onto stuff, pull the analog stick down, and pick stuff up. The way that plucking works is that when you pull the analog stick down, you have to like line it up inside of a green bar. This is quick, and it's snappy, and it always feels good. I love the plucking mechanic, and after playing some other games that try to make everything super realistic, this is a nice, like, silly, gamey simulation way of doing this. It doesn't really make sense, but it works well, and it feels really good. Some things that you can pluck, your ship can carry just fine, but others are heavy enough that they actually weight the ship down, and this is where the platforming comes in. 
Because your ship is weighted down, you can't just go into the fly mode. Instead, your ship is stuck hovering above the ground, and you have to use boosters and ramps to maneuver whatever you're carrying up on top of a building. Usually what this means is you're carrying a battery, there's a door you have to open, and in order to open the door, you have to take the battery up to the door. It's not super groundbreaking or anything, but it's a really cool way to put in platforming elements in a space shooter, and it makes for a fun break to the just shoot everything missions that a lot of the others tend to be. As I said before, I think there are seven total planets in this game, and each one has a ton of stuff to do on it. Uh, these different mission objectives that you knock out, while they do tend to be kind of samey, they also are really fun. And the fact that now there is that alliance progression bar on the side of the screen at all times makes me really engaged with knocking out those missions in order to, you know, save the universe like I do. I'm really enjoying this game quite a bit. Uh, I I was pretty sure that this was going to be one that I liked, and I'm liking it more than I expected to. I'm definitely going to keep playing this game. I'm going to see this story through. I'm going to level up enough that I can take on a Dreadnought uh, eventually. Those things are scary, man. They're so big. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with the story, which is not something I expected to say at the beginning of this game. It's really grown on me quite a bit. The gameplay is good. It looks good. It sounds good. The story is good. And the progression loop is really satisfying. You are always making progress in this game. That alliance meter is always ticking away, and you're also constantly getting rewards in terms of mods for your ships and your guns. Uh, the customization is such a nice thing to have as a constant option. I'll be honest, I don't mess with the customization too frequently. It's something that's kind of there, but basically I don't think to check it until a ship explodes. I've kind of imposed my own rule that when a ship blows up and I have to switch to another one, I also switch the pilot. When I switch the pilot and the ship, I usually decide to switch the guns as well. And so I kind of look at the customization options every time I die. That's kind of how it's worked for me. Ship blows up, change the pilot, change the cockpit, change the wings, change the guns. And if I've changed all that, I may as well go change the mods I have on everything too. What's nice is that there's always more options. There's always something that you can be doing in this game. Uh, I am excited to keep playing it. I don't know if I'll still be playing it in a year. I don't think this game has an infinite amount of content on it. I think eventually I'm going to finish up with exploring most of the planets, and eventually I'm going to finish up with the Star Fox missions, and eventually I'm going to rescue St. Grand. And at that point, I might put this game back on the shelf. But honestly, I could still see myself pulling it out every once in a while because it's just fun. It's a fun game to play. I definitely recommend Starlink Battle for Atlas. Uh, I still think that the Digital Deluxe is the way to go just because if you like customization, that does give you all of those options. On the other hand, I did get a chance to see the R-Wing that comes with the physical version of the Switch edition of the game in person, and that is just a real pretty ship. So if you like the toy, uh, I think that that's a pretty cool option. And honestly, this game is usually on sale somewhere, so you can get a pretty good deal on either the physical or digital versions. But in either case, I'd recommend it. It's a fun space shooter with a fun progression loop, with customization, with a story mode, and with platforming in a spaceship game, which is still so bizarre, but it's so good. Um, please, please do check it out. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back with you again in about 11 months, and we'll talk about how I'm feeling at Starlink at that point. 
Uh, in the meantime, be sure to go check out all the other reviews that we've got going on YDWMY Reviews, and also be sure to check out all the other shows on the We Could Make This Work Probably Network. I've been Trotal Power, I've been your host for the month, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>